Hey guys, my name is Michelle. I'm Doreen. And I'm Kelly. And we're the team behind The Weekly Dosage. Welcome back to the weekly dosage. I'm going to be starting off this 17th episode with the weekly news. So, what do you guys first think of when you think of Antarctica? Penguins. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think of a lot of things. Mostly, I think of one thing: snow. Snow. Okay. Well, that's actually a very good point. There is. It's supposed to be a lot of snow there. Supposedly. What, what about the penguins? There are also penguins, Dayreen. Okay. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that input. So there's I, actually I think of Santa Claus. Who <laughs> lives in the South Pole? The North Pole. Oh he does? She lives in the North Pole. The South Pole. No, Santa's in the North Pole. No, I thought he was in the South. Uh, saying Santa like he's a real person. Wait, I have he is. Santa's oh. real. Well, who's gonna tell her? <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna tell her? Alright, back to focus. Antarctica. <clears throat> Antarctica, Santa is in the North Pole. Back to Antarctica. So you guys don't think of vegetation or anything like that in Antarctica, don't you? Vegetation? <laughs> in Antarctica? I hope not. Isn't there only ice and snow and sand or and non-Santa? <laughs> and, and polar bears and penguins? And um um coal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that yep, that basically covers it. So this may surprise you, and it sure surprised me, but there was recently a discovery of new flowers in Antarctica. <gasps> and I am actually like really surprised by this. Flowers? Can yeah, you believe it's wild. it? Well, that's actually weird. Like maybe some grass here and there, but flowers? Fla- like, full on color, bloom, flowers. And flowers require a lot of like energy exactly. to survive. And the fact that they're getting that is sad. Mm-hmm. So now that you guys are back on topic. <laughs> there is a recently discovered flowers in Antarctica, and let me speed things up for you if you're not already there. This is not a good sign for us and the world. So I'm sure you're all familiar with global warming. <gasps> Wait, but it doesn't exist. I don't believe in global warming. Dayreen, get off this podcast. Global warming is real. It's happening. Dayreen can leave. But this is most likely the cause of this phenomenon. So before the discovery, there was only two types of living plants on the continent, but now the growth of even the growth, two? yeah, only two living. Wait, that's actually wild. Which even, ones? I think it was like Antarctic grass, and then oh, another cute. like I, I forget the other one, but there was only two. These two types of plants and the flowers have seen exponential growth, especially in these last few years, and so. This picture that I have here, I know, again, I'm sorry, you guys, you can't see it, but this just gives you an idea of what global warming is actually doing to the planet, because there is full-on, like, green in Antarctica, and I don't know about you, but when I think of Antarctica, I think of snow and Mm -hmm. dead and cold. And And I don't want to say this, but it looks so pretty in a bad way. It's, like, harmful Mm -hmm. beauty. So... Yeah, so I asked Michelle and Doreen the question at the beginning. I bet most of you thought similar things to them. Maybe not Santa or (laughs) Penguins, but this is just evidence that proves everything we thought wrong because everything we kind of thought about the world is kind of changing now because of global warming. And so probably you guys are like, oh, well, if there's more flowers and grass, flowers equal pretty. No, 
this is a bad sign for humans because global warming not just affects the world, it affects us because we're part of the world. So global warming is increasing air pollution that comes with, it, it's so detrimental to human health and human safety. And seeing signs like flowers in Antarctica is just proof that this is becoming a bigger problem in our world. So some of you might think of that global warming isn't affecting us, but it is. Things like respiratory infection and disease have skyrocketed in recent years, and these numbers are only expected to increase. Maybe some of you have also thought more plants equals more oxygen in the air. No, plants aren't supposed to be in Antarctica. We need that ice sheet. The ice needs to be there for some um, other organisms. Organisms? Yeah. yeah. Organisms to live. And because one, um, because of this, they're losing their habitat, and that's also bad for them as well. So if you know, if you don't want lung disease, start caring about global warming Real. because it's actually affecting humans so much. I don't know if we've done other episodes on the effects of like air pollution and carbon dioxide and the effect of greenhouse gases on respiratory systems, but I don't think you guys want to see the pictures of what happens to human lungs when they're in, like infected with these respiratory in infections because it's actually so disgusting and so gross what global warming can do to the human body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kelly. And I just want to comment that uh, global warming and climate change is happening right now as we speak. It is not something that, oh, the next generation has to worry about that. Mm -hmm. No, we are living in a global warming, climate change like environment like, mm -hmm. right now. So it is a problem and we really need to start worrying about it or else it's not going to get better. I mean, it's something that our parents left us, our grandparents left us, and that was something we have to deal with. We can't push it on to the next generation because it's happening and it's happening now. And we have to face the consequences or we have to face the solution, otherwise we're going to face the consequences. Yeah, we're not just hurting like plants and other things, we're hurting ourselves. Yep. Like, it's gonna kill us. It's yeah. eventually going, it has killed a bunch of people that like have to deal with these infections and these diseases because they weren't around when, you know, there wasn't the, this problem of global warming, like this didn't happen to people as much and now respiratory infections are through the roof there's so many like you could not you could not smoke your entire life you could live a healthy life and you could still get a respiratory infection just infection just from breathing air like mm -hmm. especially in polluted areas like new mm -hmm. york and, and china other, yeah in china tokyo a lot of these hotspot places it's killing you just be aware so everything and everyone in the world is affected by this so if you don't care about antarctica at least care about yourself Alright you guys, so by the time that I've recorded this episode, we've recorded a bunch of episodes ahead of time, but by the time that we I have researched this, Halloween is coming up for us. And spooky scary season is on just, just around the corner. And I am a huge fan of anything to do with horror. Haunted houses, really scary movies, yes. Anything to do true with True crime. Ooh, true crime. Anything to do we with get, getting scared, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Boom. That was, that was. Anywho, um, so I decided to research on why do we actually, as humans, like getting scared? Like, why do we enjoy such a fight or flight, such a survival instinct? So Except much? I have a theory. Is it because of the adrenaline that rushes to our blood? Sort of, but actually, it's not only that. So oh. that's actually part. Tell of us this. more. So as you know, um, 
let's start with what actually is fear like it's a feeling that heart piercing body freezing moment that your body believes that it might be in danger but that feeling is caused by hormones like what Damien said so basically when the body realizes it might be in danger for reason a or b the amygdala sends out a signal to trigger fight or flight and that's kind of what kelly talked about it's the survival instinct technique that keeps us alive and has kept our ancestors alive however that um that uh, fight or flight releases adrenaline and cortisol, and the adrenaline also releases a rush of dopamine and endorphins. Our heart rate increases, our vision focuses, and our digestion stops, so the body puts all of its control and power into surviving, not into digesting your last meal. It really doesn't care about digesting the dog that you just had or whatever. So in summary, fear is a full body experience, which is why a lot of those really extreme haunted houses make you sign a waiver, because there can be some real life consequences if your body isn't ready for such an experience. So, in short, fear is a mechanism that is formed through evolution as a way to keep us alive. So then, why do we like this, like, survival technique so much that causes so much stress on our body? Well, first of all, the fear that we feel in a haunted house and horror movies are not real fear. Like, it's pretty toned down because we know that we're safe. Mm-hmm. And that type of fear is a different fear than the actual primal fear of, I'm getting chased by a bear and I might not make it. Yeah, it's like artificial fear. Right. And it, it, it's not real, but it... it you know, it's kind of real. And the haunted houses and scary movies, they know this. They tap into this fake fear as much as possible to get the most thrilling experience without making you feel that they're, they're really pushing the border. They're going to get you to the border of maybe I might not die or might not, but you still know you're going to make it. And that's just that what the thrill is. Mm-hmm. And it's also because with watching a scary movie, there's a barrier, you know, that TV mm-hmm. screen that separates you from like the real thing. Mm-hmm. And then with haunted houses, you know that they're not actually going to do anything to you. So your brain already has that information and therefore your body knows as well. Exactly. And we all know it's going to end at some point. But the point of when you're actually in a situation where you don't know if you're going to make it, if you're drowning in the ocean, you don't know if there's the end. You don't know what is the end. Am I going to die? Am I going to make it? And that's what causes a bunch of stress. So the fear that we're experiencing in those fun attractions is fear that is purely adrenaline and cortisol based without the stress that comes from other hormones. Another thing that makes these experiences so fun is that it allows us to be truly immersed and like scream and experience all these things that in any other environment would be social suicide. Like you can't just go out to Times Square and scream your head off off of a scary movie. Watch me. Okay, Times Square. <laughs> Alright, go, go Darian. Go do it. So, I mean, getting scared in moments that are socially acceptable is so good for people to release such emotions and it's a big draw for people. I mean, it's really relieving to feel like not to keep these feelings bottled in and getting scared is one, people, is one way people like to get rid of it. And it's just, it's, it's like when you, when you are just really sad and take a big cry, or if you're really angry, you just bottle it all up through a rage room or through punching bags. And if you get really scared, the ability of being able to let it all get out is such a rewarding experience. And I mean, being, and like I just said, I mean, being in a a big haunted house or making it through a really scary movie without screaming is also a huge feat. And that sense of accomplishment is another reason why people love getting scared. I mean, it's a, re- it's a recognition that they can achieve mind over matter. Another reason why people really like going to haunted houses or going to scary movies is that feeling of I'm better than my mind. Mm-hmm. Another reason why people like, um, okay, the re- we've actually talked about this multiple, multiple times in the podcast, but why do we as humans, I don't know, listen to a true crime podcast or listen to something and think, wow, that serial killer sure was stupid. Like, I could have done so much better. Why do we think in such evil ways, in such scary ways? Because we know that as humans, we can dissect, we can take apart the difference between evil and 
fear and we can take that apart and separate it to two thoughts. We know that we ourselves aren't evil and we can take that and still we want to know why these people are evil and it, it's scary in a way that is pleasurable to know what, that we're different from them. Mm -hmm. That's why yes, people say, I think I can do it just as well or I can do a better job in a serial killer even you're not going to be a serial killer because we know that we're different from them and that simply just uh, really like shows that. And this also connects back to Kelly's um you know the podcast where she talked about psychological warfare mm -hmm. and how if that was me like i i wouldn't fall for that like yeah. that, that's clearly fake yeah. why did they fall for that you know that yeah. is a great example of what exactly. she was talking about exactly exactly it's i mean fear overall is just it's like a it's like a big fireworks in your brain that are safe and Imagine if you were in a bubble and these fireworks are going off all around you. It's this amazing feeling that I certainly enjoy. I love, but it's still to, obviously to a point. And then you have people that are like really like, like I don't know if you guys have heard of those extreme haunted houses. Yep, you have this like kind of contract. Yeah, and they like touch you and they force you. And no, here's the thing. Once like in a haunted house, somebody starts to touch you, like that gets rid of that barrier for me. Like Dayreen was talking about, talking about. Like that barrier between the TV screen and the actual person. When somebody starts touching me in a haunted house, it that real. Yep. that turns it real to me, and that it starts the stress hormones. And that's why I would never do that because I know that it would put me into a full-on panic. Yeah, and that's actually the border for a lot of people, especially for me too. That's why I can do. I love haunted houses, but I could never do a touching one because mm -hmm. once I know that the ability for them to touch me is there, I, I'm out of there. And it kind of loses like the power that you have, kind of right. thing. Right. Because like you signed up for that, so that's uh, that that's in your control. Mm -hmm. But then when they even like touch you or say something, that's like, oh wait, I'm not in control anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Dayreen was talking about, in those haunted houses when they can't touch you, like, you can always just close your eyes. Like, you can close your eyes and it disappears, but if they can touch you, like, you're, there's no getting out. Mm -hmm. There's no stopping. And I don't know if you guys have heard, I was recently on, recently on TikTok, and there's actually this haunted house in California called Door 17, where they take it to the next level. Like, they make people, the monsters force people to crawl through, like, a tunnel that is, like, getting smaller and smaller. And then at the end of it, you get stuck, and it dunks your head into, like, the whole tunnel, like, dunks your head into water for five seconds, and it pushes you out. And it does stuff like this, and it, it literally forces, the monsters force you to line up and get, like, executed by other, by other monsters. Like, they shoot, like, like pellets rubber pellets at you oh and then there's God. another room that they force everyone to sit down and then whoever like gets scared them like sit down in like locked chairs and they get shocked like there's these people like love that mm -hmm. and i think that like at the moment when you're going through that your body is really scared even though you know that it's not really real but then once you make it out of there alive you're like i want to do that again because yeah. you made it out alive you yeah. know that adrenaline just made you feel powerful and like like really strong and brave like i did that like i made it out of there and that's the reason why people are so attracted to such these big you know scary movies and big big attractions like big haunted houses and these scary experiences because it's the fact that i can control my mind i can control my feelings like let's be honest that's what it comes down to i'm better than this so i mean just at the end of the day i mean this even also ties into like um, so many things i was going to talk about testosterone and how guys, they are, do you know, does, of course I know what to talk No, about I know, but like, like, doesn't make sense how it ties with it and how like, like a lot of guys are like, stereotypically, they want to be this brave, big guys, go out into the woods and like, <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't know how chemically the testosterone 
lines up into it. Like bravery and strength and I think doing that's all this more, type of I think that's more I think of, that's more cultural. I think that's more cultural. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I wouldn't really count that as stuff, but hey, I think it was a good hypothesis. I don't know if it's true or not. I can do some research definitely on that. <laughs> Anywho, um, another reason why uh, this also links over to um, scary rides. Like, I'm... I, I I I I love them. I love them. But the thing is, is that a lot of a big reason why people love it so much is because of that dopamine rush, cortisol rush, and the feeling of being safe and knowing that you are like. Because imagine if you're going on a roller coaster with no seatbelt. Like, would you do that? No, no one would. Like, if you went on a roller coaster that went upside down with no seatbelt on, you would still stay in the seat because of the gyrational forces. But like the fact that you don't have a seatbelt on is what causing people to get scared and not do it. But the fact that you have a seatbelt on, that you have a harness on, is what is what's allowing the fear to not creep over to the primal fear. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why people love doing roller coasters so much is that they can experience this insane amount of cortisol and adrenaline safely and still make it out of it and feel like they've they've been rewarded. They've done something. Okay, not exactly. This might be a field hypothesis as well, but with eating like ex- like um, like really sc- like really spicy food counts. Really, like, have eating you seen- eating really spicy food does release. Oh, I think it's cortisol. I don't think it releases dopamine, mm-hmm. but I think it does. And I have to you listeners don't count me on this because I think it does. But I think that when you eat a really spicy food, the reason why people are so attracted to it is because it gives that a sense of a at the end of it you feel a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. and there's these hormones that make you feel like you have you you it, it gives you a reward. Your oh. body hormonally gives you a reward Thank for you. eating such a spicy food. Alright. So with that being said, I mean I mean this is such a really interesting topic and hormones and how it all relates to like what sounds like a paradox like you like getting almost killed but not killed because you know you're safe right Mm -hmm. so i just thought that was really interesting to research and i know that we're not it's not halloween time anymore for probably when this gets released but for us i have to get i just want to let people know that when you're getting ready for a haunted house or a scary movie have a good time and creep it real oh my god Ah. oh my god is that funny nope Moving on to the tips and tricks for today, brought by me. Um, today's t- tips and tricks is kind of a little different from uh, what we usually do. It's kind of just about like how to become a better version of yourself. And I have been on this journey for about a year now. I started taking it a little bit more seriously during summer because you know school ended and I just kind of like wanted to focus on myself a little bit more. And I've been reading some good books. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalnithi. Oh my god. He is amazing. I love him. Did you read he, that book? The book. Have you read it? Oh, uh, it's really good. And then there's this um, YouTuber I've been listening to called The Wizard List. Do you guys know her? No. no. Okay, well, she's really, she's kind of a lot, gained a lot of popularity right now. She's talking about, like, um, just how she, beca- she how, like, how she became where she is right now. She had, like, uh, she was anorexic. She was depressed. Like, her life was just really bad. And then, like, years later, she's now this really great person. And like listening to her kind of just because she gives it to you right away no cutbacks like anything like that she doesn't sugarcoat she gives it to you straight and today i kind of want to give that to you guys as well can i have one question though define what you mean by great person because i feel like a lot of people have different definitions of what they mean yes actually i'm going to cover that oh sorry um, no 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 it's okay it was actually a good transition um to start off what or who is your definition of your highest self like if if you want to become a bigger person or your best version of yourself who the what does who does that look like for me yes 
Um, I mean, I want to be the best person of myself. I mean, I'm not religious, mm -hmm. so I just want to be the best person I can be for in in terms of my own religion, for God, and for you know. That's what I want to go. Like traits, characteristics. Like, um, do you want to be successful? Do you want to? No, successful isn't about it. I just want to be the best person that people look to me and they're like, wow, like she. Like, I, I feel comfortable, like, she's someone that would do anything for me, mm -hmm. no matter what. She would lay down her life for somebody else, like, and she wouldn't, like, bat an eye about it. Like, All you right. Know. What about you, Kelly? Um, I might be a little different, but <laughs> I want, like, the successful version of me is, like, somebody who has, like, a steady career that's making lots of money that I can do what I want with my life mm -hmm. because of where I am, like, career-wise. And that's kind of like the end goal for me. I guess. Right. Okay. For me, I <laughs> want to. Um, I want to be someone that you know doesn't doesn't tolerate disrespect. I want to love myself in and out, and I want to be successful successful so much that like I'm really happy with my life, and I don't need anyone's validation. You know what I mean? Like I just want to get to that point in my life where I'm very content, and I don't need anyone's opinions on how they judge me. So another question for you guys is, Michelle, since you want to be kind of, um, you, you want to be the best person of yourself, want someone to look down, no, not look down, <laughs> sorry, you want someone to look up to you and kind of like be an inspiration to people, how do you think you're going to do that? Okay, um, this feels really weird because like, I feel like this is a really personal question, but me personally, what I do to just be a better person is I follow people that I inspire, that are I look up to. I mean, a lot of the time it's just like, I mean, I also do a lot of self-reflection of how can I be a better person and align myself with my morals and my principles. And mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the time, you know, I'm a very religious person, you know, praying to God. Yeah. I believe helps me a lot. And I mean, my mom is a big inspiration for me. And, you know, looking up to my parents, my grandparents, I, that's just what kind of helps me. All right. What about you, Kelly? Um, I don't think really any person inspires me directly because I don't feel like I know anybody who's the person I want to be. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I've just kind of had this like idea in my head of like my future self. Mm. And I guess I just, I'm striving to get that reality. You know? All right, I like that. Okay. <laughs> for me, for me, I, um, like I was said in the beginning, I've been listening to a lot of new pod, uh, podcasts, YouTubers. I've been reading lots of new books. And then sometimes I'm trying to like regulate my emotions and how I react to certain things. So that's kind of how I've started out. And then uh, before I kind of give the steps on how to become the best version of yourself, I just want to say that, you know, everyone defines it differently. That's why I ask all of you guys what you think, just so that our listeners can gain kind of a better understanding of, you know, who they want to be. And before we start, I want to um, state three rules that you have to follow before you start. One, you have to love yourself mm -hmm. in and out. You cannot go in and form a relationship with someone, maybe platonic or romantic, if you don't love yourself, mm -hmm. because this will cause so many problems, communication, understanding, perspectives, and it's just, you really have to, because how can you love someone when you don't even love yourself? How can you treat others like they want to, how can you treat others how they want to be treated? How can you love others like they, you love yourself if you don't love yourself? Exactly. And then the second step is you have to create what works for you. You know, don't follow what people do on social media by mm -hmm. waking up insane hours, you know, going on crazy diets no, and, literally. you know, exercising like crazy. It's that works for them, but it won't necessarily work for you.
Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, because like I see those videos all the time of like, wake up at 5 a.m., make a smoothie bowl, go on a jog for 10 hours. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't work for me, but maybe that works for the unemployed. But, you know, like for me, a day is like waking up at 6, doing school, going to school, mm -hmm. coming back, doing more school, and then sleep. Yes. That's, there's no smoothie bowl involved in my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, like, especially influencers now give an unrealistic, like, perspective on what, like, a successful person looks like. And I feel like it's just not always real. Also, ignore the squeaking. I don't know what's going on. Just, just bear with us, please. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that comment. And then the last one is to take baby steps. You know, you can't just... You know, telling yourself positive affirmations in the mirror every day and exercising isn't going to magically make you become the best version of yourself, you know. It's a slow and a dedicated process that you have to, you know, really take your time with. Okay, um, the first rule is to set boundaries. Put yourself first. And what they have to, what anyone has to say or what they think, at the end of the day, that will not pay your bills. That will not cure your mental illness. It will not get you a good job or good grades, good grades at all. You know, their opinion of you is not going to save your life or make you successful like we all said in the beginning, you know, and um, the second, and then, you know, this just goes in with being a pushover. I kind of have faced this a lot with kind of just tolerating disrespect because I want people to like me so badly, but you know, do not give people too many chances because at the end of the day, like I've said, you will be blamed for trusting them in the first place. And I know a lot of people regret who, like, what they did a while ago, but, um, and you, and you blame that person, but at the end, like, you were the one that gave them that chance, even though they repeatedly shown you that you shouldn't have trusted them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, um, Stop wondering why they treat you the way they do and ask why you keep letting it happen. And then take chances. You can't grow if you don't learn from your mistakes. My second one is to learn from your mistakes. Uh, build a relationship, maybe romantic, familiar, or platonic. Um, if a familiar relationship, a, fam a familial relationship with someone, if that failed, a romantic or a platonic one, if that one failed, the only thing that you can really do is just to you know learn from that one. Yeah, like going sort of into the psychology of this, um, like when the brain does something that, well, not when the brain does it, when you do something that, you know, isn't exactly like turns out how you want, like maybe uh, your friend backstabs you, like let's just use that for example, like your brain sets off these like chemicals that, like make you feel sad, make you feel bad. These are designed in your brain to help you not make the same mistake again. Exactly. That's what they're meant for. So, you know, listen to them because your brain is a smart one. And, you know, um, some moments are only phases meant to guide you to become better, better people and a better person, you know, and you can be sad and regret and guilty through that field relationship, but that's not going to help you. The only thing that you can really do is just learn from it and move on. And this doesn't mean that you get all sad after failing a test, getting rejected, or anything like that. You have to learn from it and, you know, become way better later on. And my last one is to let go of the past. You have mm -hmm. to grow up. <laughs> I'm telling you, you really have to grow up. I don't care who you were when you were in middle school. I don't care who you were when uh, five years ago, you know. That is 
that is holding you back the past is a big thing that holds people back and we're a lot of the things that michelle and kelly were talking about is who they want to be in the future successful and be someone that people look up to and be happy and make money and all those things like that you know that mentality has to come from learning from the past and then becoming a better person in the future if that makes sense and a lot of people tend to hold on to the past selves because they either miss that person or they feel held back by something they did a long time ago or just a few days ago and that type of um burden is really the the biggest like holdback that you have in your life so thank you so much for this. Um, go check out The Wizard Wiz. She's really amazing. And, you know, I hope that these steps can help you become the best version of yourself. Thank you. That's all for now. Stay tuned and remember, take those vitamins. Drink that water. Touch that grass. And most importantly, don't forget your, your weekly, weekly dosage. dosage.